The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I absolutely promise you're in the right place. What a great topic we have today. Coaching Women Entrepreneurs Starting Smart Part 2. Let me get started. The buzz on the street, good for you. I didn't say at a girl. I said good for you. You are a woman. You've got an exciting, game-changing, evolutionary, and maybe even revolutionary idea for a new woman, new business, and a new woman in a new business. This is impressive. It's great. We're so excited for you. Stop and hold that thought. Will you be able to stay the course? Do you even have a plan, a path, a course? If your road to success isn't as smooth as the path of new male entrepreneurs. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. There is a gender difference. There is inequality. There are different perceptions of entrepreneurs based on gender. Sad to say it still exists. But take heart. You may need and may benefit from the experience of a startup coach who can help you build a strategic network, help you navigate the ups and downs of the business ecosystem, and here's the kicker, help you survive what you may encounter as unfair, I know, I know, nobody said life was going to be fair, but we still use the word unfair, unfair and sexist roadblocks or setbacks. You know you're going to come across them. Wouldn't it be great to have someone who can help you get over them with your head held high and a smile on your face and passion still in your heart? We have a quote here from Game Changing Women Radio Executive Producer and SAP Chief Learning Officer Jenny Dearborn. She says, I feel great empathy for smart, talented, hardworking women who are not getting the breaks in life they deserve. And that's why we're bringing you a coaching session today. Bravo. Thank you, Jenny. So let me introduce my three panelists. I'll just tell you quickly who they are, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. First, we have Doug Johnson. Vice President for Capital Acquisition at Innosphere, I-N-N-O-S-P-H-E-R-E. It's Colorado's leading technology incubator. Doug is a guy you want to know. We also have Susan Lucas-Conwell. That's hyphenated Lucas-C-O-N-W-E-L-L. She's the Chief Innovation Catalyst at Growth Resources, Inc., also someone you want to know. And our third panelist is Lindsay Roselle, last name R-O-S-E-L-L-E. She's the founder and principal of the Candescence Group. And Lindsay is someone you really want to know. So let me get started with our quotes. Doug Johnson sent me a quote from Yogi Berra, who sadly left us last week on September 22nd. 
Yogi is wonderfully known as an American professional baseball catcher, a manager, a coach who played 19 seasons in Major League Baseball, and the last was for the New York Yankees. Yeah, Yankees, but he is noted most famously for what we call his malapropisms, meaning odd-sounding quotes that just caught on. And here's the quote of the day from Doug Johnson. You got to be careful if you don't know where you're going because you might not get there. And that is a bona fide Yogi Berraism. Doug Johnson, welcome. How are you today? Doing very well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're delighted. I have to mention to our, our audience that Doug was supposed to be on the show a couple of months ago, and uh, he got entangled in an airport in some security checks because his flight changed, and he couldn't join us. So we're delighted to finally have you here on a topic I know that's near and dear to you. Doug, how did you come to pick a Yogi Berraism? Talk to me, or a Yogiism, as they say. Well, you know, uh, Yogi's passing has brought him back into the forefront and always uh, a great Yogiism to share. But uh, there's truth in his words, even though it may be uh, misconstrued or uh, misspoken. And with any entrepreneur, we have to begin with the end in mind. We have to know why we want to do something, what is that passion, what's feeding us, and what are the steps that we need to take to get there, and where is there? Doug, interesting quote, an interesting point. I just want to make a comment here. I'm an avid viewer of Shark Tank on TV, and very often the sharks who cut right to the chase, as you probably know, no mincing words, and oh, that's nice, we're so proud of you. They don't do that. They just dive right in, and they are sharks. And they often say to an entrepreneur, great, it's a hobby, it's not a business, wonderful, keep doing what you're doing, we can't add any value, you don't need our money, good luck, you'll fold in a year and a half or so. Is that tough advice for an entrepreneur to hear, or do they want to hear that, you go girl, at a girl, if you will, what do they really want to hear? What, what's the best advice for them at that point? Is it just a hobby or we need to help you get a path to success? What's your thought? We need to help you get a path for success, and that is going back and beginning with the end in mind. And nobody likes to hear that their baby's ugly, but we're here <laughs> to help make sure that that baby gets all the love and support it needs to grow up into whatever you want it to be, to nurture and care for it. And uh, get it to a place where you can set that baby free or uh, stick with it and uh, run a terrific lifestyle business for, for the foreseeable future. Wonderful. Thank you. I was hoping you'd tie that back to it. And I, I love the quote about the baby. Okay, let's bring on our second panelist returning to our show is Susan Lucas-Conwell, Chief Innovation Catalyst at Growth Resources, Inc. And Susan has sent us a very short and sweet and powerful quote from none other than Sheryl Sandberg, you know, author of the 2013 runaway bestseller, Lean In, and Chief Operating Officer of Facebook. And here's the quote, done is better than perfect. Susan Lucas-Conwell, welcome back. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. Nice to be back. Wonderful. Talk to me. There are so many quotes you could have picked, and of, even of Sheryl Sandberg's. How come this one resonates with you for our topic today? This one resonates with me because so often, and this is often the case with women entrepreneurs that I work with, they feel they have to have the perfect plan, the 10 slides, before they start. As Doug said, you have to know where you're going. You have to know what you want to do. You have to have your passion. But just like in the sports world, you have to show up. You have to be there. You can't be afraid to try. And if there's no pain, there's no gain. So part of it is just about being there and giving it your best. 
in not trying to make it perfect the first time because it's very rare that it is the perf- perfect every time and the first time. Susan, does this go to a common, a new mantra we hear in business, part of actually a lot of innovation projects and design thinking, and the mantra is fail fast, fail often. Would you think that's part of what Sheryl Sandberg was saying here? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to show up and be counted. You have to try. You have to recognize that it probably isn't going to be perfect, and if you're going to fail, learn those lessons, learn them quickly, and then move on. Thank you very much, and welcome back again. Delighted to have you on the panel. And let's bring on our third panelist. She is Lindsay Roselle, founder and principal of the Candescence Group. And Lindsay has brought us a quote from somebody I wasn't familiar with until I looked her up. It's Brené, B-R-E-N-E, like Rene with a B in front, Brené Brown, an American scholar, author, public speaker, who is currently a research professor at the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. And let's see, she's the author of two New York Times bestsellers, The Gifts of Imperfection, aha, there's that word, and Daring Greatly, both so appropriate for our show. And here's the quote, owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. Welcome back, Lindsay Roselle. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing really well. I, Good. Um, yeah, I, you know, the, the Brene Brown's work has always really resonated with me um, just because I love her, her style. She's very, kind of, she's from Texas. She kind of lives big and she tells her stories very powerfully and very vulnerably, which I resonate with. Um, but Rising Strong lately has, has kind of touched on a lot of the work I've been doing with coaching um, around burnout and how, you know, kind of to Susan's point around perfection, that the, the more that you focus on what's not going right and not starting and holding back and, you know, it, it stirs, it kind of squashes the fire within you and all of a sudden this passion that you had that you were so excited to pursue has become something that completely burns you out and and several of my clients lately have been saying things like I think I'm just ready to sell or I'm ready to quit I'm ready to go back to Mm. the corporate world or whatever it is and and you know you can give them business advice until you're blue in the face but if they're not able to take care of themselves and battle the burnout and really yeah clear out these perfection demons and all of the things that are a little bit deeper into the soul and and the self-forgiveness and self-love, you know, that Mm -hmm. stuff um, becomes even more important as an entrepreneur. And and to Doug's point, yeah, yeah, I often compare the business creation process to having a baby, which I don't have human babies, but I have several business babies. Mm -hmm. And you do worry that they're going to die in the middle of the night or, you know, burned to the mm-hmm. ground, and, and it's never fun to get negative feedback about their survival, you know, their chance at survival, um, but it's so much more powerful to have someone come in and help you own your story and, and understand what's really driving you um, underneath all of the business strategy uh, as an individual, as an entrepreneur, uh, and then be able to kind of <laughs> let go of the perfection, let go of the this Mm-hmm. Um, rep- repulsion of feedback and of being afraid of getting somebody to tell you that, let me point out the things that aren't going to make you successful in your business. Um, and that's what Brene Brown is so good at doing, is teaching you to accept vulnerability and to 
um, not look at feedback to, as something that creates shame. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, her work has just been incredibly powerful in the business world for me because, especially in dealing with women, I find vulnerability and shame and perfection as undercurrents of burnout and of failure and of, of to Susan's quote, you know, of not even starting. Uh, and done is better than perfect, but you're not going to get anything done if you are feeling burnt out or you're not even starting. Thank you, Lindsay. I have a question. Thank you so much. I have a question for all three panelists before we get to the What's in Your Cup Today uh, beverage storytelling segment of the show. question is, we hear so many people say, I want to make, and I'm not making fun. I'm just saying the way I hear it. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to make life better for so many people. Is that a good enough, or shall I say, a specific, focused, targeted enough statement to drive the effort to start a new business. Doug Johnson, thoughts? Uh, no. Uh, plain and simple, no. It's really got to be, you know, what do you define as making the world a better place? And ultimately, it resides with, within ourselves and loving ourselves, accepting ourselves, so that we can love and accept others. Thank you. Susan Lucas-Conwell, thoughts? Is that enough? I want to make a difference in the world. I think that it, uh, I agree completely with Doug and Lindsay. It, not only is it not enough, but I would put it differently and say just being in the world, you make a difference. You have an impact. Mm. So get I on like with that. It. Move on. Get on with it. So, what would be a better uh, rephrase, Susan, rather than I want to make it, I want to improve people's lives? Okay, that's wonderful. I don't know too many people who wouldn't say that in some way or who would say, I don't want, I want to be the reason that people's lives don't get improved, the opposite. <laughs> so, wh- what would you, how would you turn that phrase around? That, that's exactly right, Bonnie. Um, usually, when I, you know, people coach entrepreneurs, not just women entrepreneurs, what is the pro- what is the problem you're trying to solve? Yes. Not I'm I want to make the world a better place, but what is the problem that your company is going to solve? What is the challenge? What is the question that you want to answer? It it can't be I'm going to make the world a better place or if it is that doesn't make for a company, it makes for something else. Okay, and I'm going to go Amen. I'm going to Amen. And I'm going to give you a Kevin O'Leary-ism from the O'Leary Financial Group was one of the, he's sometimes the, the middle seat spokesperson. Uh, okay, let's get to the point on the panel on Shark Tank. And he will say very often, I don't care about your idea. Who cares? Meaning, what are you doing to make a difference? Why would people buy that product or sign up for that service? Who cares? What have you done to change? Just throwing that out. So who cares or I don't care? There's the retort to, I want to make lives better. Lindsay Roselle, got to get you in on this. What are your thoughts? Is that enough? Uh, no, I mean, I agree with Doug and Susan that it's not enough. And I think um, the reason that it's not enough is because oftentimes when you ask an entrepreneur to, especially a woman, to frame her why, and she says, well, I want to make a difference, it's coming from this place of seeking, like, crowdsourcing your acceptance, which is what I tell my clients. Like, don't crowdsource, mm-hmm. don't crowdsource the approval to go after this dream. Like, you don't need everybody else to tell you that it's okay. And when we say something like, oh, I just want to make a difference, or I want to help people, we're Oftentimes I find that's kind of the very highest level surface, like, catch-all phrase that we say to people so that they're like, oh, great, you know, so that they don't give you feedback because they don't really know what you mean. And when you start to dig in and you say, okay, that's great, you know, we all want to make a difference in the world, how do you want to feel? 
Like, what are you trying to create in your life? Because if you're taking care of yourself and you're creating success in your mind and, and you bring that to your job every single day and into your business, then, then what you create automatically carries that energy. And so I, I, when I hear that, you know, coaching, coaching tips, I, I start to kind of push people a little bit past impact into personal, personal development and personal growth and personal fulfillment to say, if you as the entrepreneur are finding your why and you're able to really articulate, you know, I want to create this feeling in my customers or I want to solve this problem in the world and you can say it with passion and, and the person, the Kevin O'Leary's of the world look at you. I mean, I love Shark Tank too and I love the moments when Kevin is silent because you know that that person has resonated with their explanation <laughs> of their right. business. And my observation in those situations is usually that they've, they've really honed in on how to connect at the personal level to say, I, my personal story it influenced me to create this business because I want to feel, I want to solve this problem in other people's lives because when I solved it in my life, it made a huge difference. And ah. those kind of stories and that connection at the human level really is, is, I think, a much better answer than I want to make a difference because, yeah, of course you want to make a difference. How are you going to make a difference? Thank you, Lindsay. So well put, all three of you. And now it's time for us to learn a little bit more about our panelists. And that's our What's in Your Cup Today? What are you drinking right now? Or what do you plan to drink after the show? Doug Johnson, where are you calling from? What time of day and what drinkest thou? Thanks, Bonnie. It is 1018 in beautiful Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, about an hour north of Denver with a population about 150,000, a great college town. And we are known for beers, bikes and bands we are the home for new belgium brewing and i would like to say that i've got a beer in my hand right now but it's a little early so i am drinking coffee what kind of coffee tell me more oh black coffee from starbucks and um i am you know i said beers bikes and bands i am scotch and sinatra so a little bit of an outlier in my own hometown but uh, (laughs) i do love it here And I will will be drinking scotch later today. And I may be tweeting that on the break. So there, you just said it. Beers, bikes, and vans at Fort Collins, Colorado, and New Belgium Brewing. Thank you very much, Doug Johnson. And Susan Lucas-Comwell, where are you calling from? Time of day, and what are you drinking? I am calling from Palo Alto, California, and it is 919 and a gray sky, though still no sign of rain. And I have to admit, I did know you were going to ask this question. And so this morning when I got up at 4.30, today is pink out day for Planned Parenthood, and I had my pink berry Gatorade before I went out on the water. Pink berry Gatorade? What does that taste like? Which of the pink berries? I don't think you really want to know what it tastes like. (laughs) I think that um, color is dominant. (laughs) You know, I couldn't taste the seeds of any berry that I've ever tasted before, but it gave me... Whatever I needed to get out on the water and think about how we have so many issues out there that a little bit of pink couldn't hurt me this morning. I appreciate that. Thanks for the smile. Question, when you say out on the water, what were you doing? Where were you? I was out on our bay here, and I was out rowing. As, as uh, Bonnie knows, it's something I've got a lot of daughters who do, and I yes. love to do myself. And it was a beautiful morning, not much of a sunrise. 
Okay. Well, we hope the water comes down from the sky and not just in the body of water for you. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Pink Berry Gatorade. Don't run out and buy it unless you're very brave. Okay. Lindsay Roselle, where are you calling from? What time is it? And what's in your cup today? I am also calling from Fort Collins. Um, I'm calling from my living room, my, my home office. Um, and the sun actually just came out. So beautiful day here, fall day in Colorado. Um, Although I, I always envy uh, Susan's rowing stories because I was a rower in college out in the Bay Area, actually, and, and I miss it. So maybe someday I'll come visit. But um, I'm, today is National Coffee Day. I am an admitted social media um, addict, and so hashtag National Coffee Day has been on my feet already this morning. Um, so I'm drinking an Americano from this great little coffee shop that opened in my neighborhood called Bendel Coffee, little uh, entrepreneurs, little young family that started a business, and it's just a roaring success. So um, highly caffeinated with an Americano and, uh, and the excitement of being on the radio. So I'm a little, I might pace around a little bit without you guys knowing. But um, no, We won't I, know. Now, yeah, go ahead. I, I want to know, is it Bendel? Doug later today Be- for some scotch and Sinatra because we're, we're friends. Uh, so I might meet him at our, at our little uh, social gathering joint and celebrate. That would be nice. And is that Bendel, B-E-N-D-E-L, coffee, the name of the coffee shop? Um, it's B-I-N-D-L-E, Bendel. It's a, there's this B-I-N-D-L-E. great little 150-year-old uh, farmstead that's in the middle of my neighborhood that the developer actually um, took on himself to redevelop into an artisan village. And so it has a coffee shop, a bakery, a farm-to-table restaurant, a little brew house, and a couple retail stores. And it's just this beautiful lifestyle kind of gathering place for our neighborhood and it's um it's my it's literally two blocks from my house so i go every day so i am that will officially coffee addict yes I think we got that message, and I just tweeted, we just learned that today is National Coffee Day. Yay! So we'll put that out there. <laughs> Thank you to the three of you. What interesting and picturesque stories. And and uh, one question for Lindsay. You mentioned that Bindle is a new family-owned small coffee shop, and you say it's a wild success. What problem, in one sentence, what problem did they solve that wasn't already solved by other coffee vendors in Fort Collins? One sentence. What do you think? Um. Wow. They created, um, it's craft coffee, where you, but, but it allows you to gather with friends. Okay. So it's a mix of the maker, the maker energy, but also this comfortable place you can sit for hours. Coffee and camaraderie. I love it. Let's yes. go take a break so everybody can have a sip of something famous and refreshing and quenching. And Doug will wait for that, uh, wait for that scotch. You just hang on there. We're talking today to Doug Johnson, Susan Lucas Conwell, and Lindsay Roselle. Our topic today is coaching women entrepreneurs starting smart. And this is part two of a topic we covered a couple months ago here on the series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very happy to be here. And when we come back, we're going to do a deep dive into more of the tips, tricks, strategies, techniques and great advice from our three entrepreneurial business coaches who've been there, done that, and know what they're talking about. So ladies, and even if we have male entrepreneurs in the audience, some of these tips may apply to you, so you don't want to go anywhere. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back after a quick break. Michael, out. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. Doug Johnson and Susan Lucas-Conwell and Lindsay Roselle. Our topic today is coaching women entrepreneurs starting smart. I didn't say starting small. I said starting smart, and this is part two. So, Doug Johnson, I'm looking at your notes, and let's keep this very coaching-friendly and specific. First thing you say in your notes to me is, why are we even having this conversation? I'm going to read something a little edgy from your notes here. You say, my colleagues and I were joking just this week. When asked what we do, we'd like to answer, we make older, wealthy, Caucasian males wealthier. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Doug Johnson, I don't know. Should we fold the show now, Susan and Lindsay? I'm not sure. (laughs) Doug, you better explain. Go ahead. Well, why again, why are we even having this conversation? Why are we not just uh, talking in general about coaching entrepreneurs and regardless of men or women, black or white, or from Mars or from Earth, you know, you're an entrepreneur. And where are the opportunities for women to engage at an equal level with men in this entrepreneurship game? And what I see so many times from women entrepreneurs is that they lose or try to lose their sacred feminine, trying to fit in and be one of the boys, really hoping that this will create connection with these older, wealthy Caucasian males and get them funding or get them the access or the business development that they need. And such is not the case. That's uh, You lose yourself and you lose your purpose of why you're doing this in the first place. Hmm. Susan, comment? I think that's an interesting um, comment, and uh, it reminds me of a a program on NPR the other day about a woman who had won the World Series of Poker who talked about how a couple of the strategies that she used in winning her $2 million and being the only woman in all of the rounds leaning up to the finals was... actually playing gender stereotypes to her advantage. So having Uh her um, opponents think that she was weak or emotional or carried away by her thoughts. So it is important to fit in, and it is very lonely when you are the only one of anything. Most of the time, entrepreneurs are the only ones, and it's pretty solitary, kind of like being a CEO. So my advice is, Often around, yes, you do need to fit in, but you also always must be yourself. 
And sometimes being that woman and playing on stereotypes can play to your advantage. I'm not talking about extremes. Mm -hmm. I'm simply talking about making sure that you are yourself and using that to your fullest advantage. Thank you. Lindsay Roselle, comments? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I agree with Susan's point on leveraging the difference at some level. Um, I also, you know, I work primarily with women entrepreneurs, and what's interesting is, especially working in lifestyle and wellness, which has become my focus, um, (laughs) the interesting thing is the primary demographic that you're targeting as customers are women, too. And so ultimately being a woman isn't really a disadvantage at all. In fact, it gives you insight into your, your target demographic and um, makes you relatable. And, and what I find is the most interesting thing is there's, there is some hesitance in women to kind of embody the feminine and, and market to women as a woman instead of kind of being a brand or being a product um, and, and a little bit more masculine in that sense. And I find as a coach that one of the tips that I have here is, you know, really embrace being a woman in how you represent yourself, especially on social media, because um, when you're doing that behind the scenes and the day in the life of those kind of snippets on Instagram or, or Facebook and, and you're letting your customers see what, who you are, you know, if most of them are also women, then being a woman is super powerful uh, and, and isn't something to be to shy away from. Now, of course, there's a whole other conversation we could have about working in tech and, and how it is a lot more difficult to maybe get in front of certain people when you're a female-owned business versus a male um, and how women aren't necessarily as confident at reaching out and making connections where one doesn't already exist and how that limits them in creating networks. Like you mentioned at the beginning, you know, navigating the ecosystem, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. Women, I think, sometimes hold themselves back in that, um, more than men do. But as far as from a customer standpoint, and once you're inside of your business and you have a product or a service, um, being, being a woman as a path to marketing to your female clients, I think is super powerful. So I, I spend a lot of time with my coaches on helping them really embrace, uh, or with my clients, helping them embrace that as part of their brand strategy and marketing. Thank you, Lindsay. Doug, this was your opener. What do you think? Anything you want to add to what Susan and Lindsay shared? Well, you know, adaptation is uh, one of the traits of good evolution, but as long as you stay true to yourself and know yourself and don't lose your identity to fit in, entrepreneurship is very cool right now, and you see a lot of people wanting to be Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs or identify with entrepreneurs to be cool, and really, what are you trying to do and who are you? I want to get beyond the entrepreneur. Thank you. Good point. And Susan, I'm looking at your notes here and I want to dive into something I mentioned and Lindsay just just uh, mentioned it as well, navigating the ecosystem. And, and let me just put a question on the table here from your notes, Susan, and let's get some real tips for our audience. You say, navigating the ecosystem and statistics that look stacked against women. It's so important for a coach to help them through this part. So let's start this part of the conversation. Susan, what is stacked against women? How would they know when it's coming? Is it just going to hit you between the eyes? Is it something as blatant as a sexist remark or as a, oh, you were a, you were a stay-at-home mom, what do you know? Is it blatantly against their opportunities and abilities to start a business? Where will these stacking against come from, Susan? It can be stacked against them if you read 
and and this really refers to um, for the most part um, the world of high speed entrepreneurship and technology, but not exclusively because there are still banks that won't lend money to women. Um, There are many, many investors who don't um, invest in women or who say, as a famous presidential candidate, well, I looked through all the folders, but I couldn't find any women. Mm -hmm. So anywhere you look, the numbers don't look great. But, you know, and and, um, this is once again an, an allusion to the sports world and to many places, what you're doing as an entrepreneur is what you are doing. And so those numbers aren't going to be – you have to believe in yourself, in your idea, that you are creating a business that is scalable and solving a real problem, and then moving forward and working on that. It is not helpful and uh, you know, to go into a football game and have your coach say to you, well, you know, we've never won against this team in 20 years, and the closest loss that we've had is 40 points. That's not helpful. You have to start with your core, and you have to think about not worrying about it's unfair, it's sexist. It doesn't say, okay, I have something that is better than the best slice of white bread that ever existed. And so my mm-hmm. business is worth investing in, and that is where I am going to go. So helping women focus on the goal and focus on what they're building and focus on their business rather than preparing to be beaten in advance, that doesn't work big time. Ah, okay. Susan, I want to bring in some statistics here. While you were speaking, I just Googled number of women entrepreneurs in the U.S. And this is a very current report from, from actually from a commission by American Express Open. It's the 2015 State of Women-Owned Businesses Report. Just let me read a couple sentences, and then we're going to have Lindsay and Doug chime in. Uh, overall, the number of women-owned businesses grew by 74% between 1997 and 2015. So that's a spread of 18 years, a rate that's 1.5 times the national average, according to this 2015 State of Women-Owned Businesses report. Women now own 30% of all businesses in the U.S., accounting for 9.4 million companies. I said 9.4 million. And African-American women control 14% of these companies, or an estimated 1.3 million businesses. That figure is larger than the total number of firms owned by all minority women in 1997. Very, very interesting. And all of these businesses have added an estimated 340,000 jobs to the economy since 2007, while employment at companies owned by men or with equally shared ownership has declined. Whoa, interesting stats. Lindsay, you want to comment on what Susan said about the ecosystem and or anything I mentioned in this report? Yeah, I mean, I had to giggle with the, the uh, yeah, binders of women comment because that was just such a, uh, <laughs> such a faux pas. But, um, and that report is really interesting. I'm going to look that up when we're done. But, um, y- you know, in my experience, and I do own a brick-and-mortar women-owned business here in, in Colorado, so I've had the experience of kind of the day-to-day operation of a business um, in addition to working with other business owners. And, yeah, I mean, we did struggle with some of that where, banks kind of look at you slightly differently when you come in as 
I have a co-owner who's also a woman, and you come in as two women, and they're like, well, is your husband going to sign this? Or, you know, and you, it, it's, it's the subtleties, the uh-huh. subtle assumptions that, <clears throat> that really do the most damage. You know, it's like, and I feel like women often are, especially women who are entrepreneurial leaning, like, oh, they kind of laugh it off. But then you, that sets in a little bit, and you're like, well, wait a second. Why did he bring up my husband? Um, <laughs> you know, and so to me, it, it comes back to this place of connection and, and what I have, have found to be the biggest tip or helpful piece of wisdom that helped me and that I encourage in my co- clients is go and leverage, it's a little bit of what Susan was saying earlier, go and leverage the fact that you're a woman and go find a man or another woman who have done what you're doing and use their experience and their knowledge and maybe their name to get you in the doors that you need to get in because ultimately much of the entrepreneurial world is based on connection and and it's life you know like people do succeed or not succeed because of who they know and that's just a fact of life and i i think women sometimes cut themselves short in that realm of being like well i do know this you know friend of a friend or somebody who's done this that i could ask but I don't want to. I don't feel like I should. Or, and so my advice in those cases is if you're hitting up against the walls of, of inequity because you're a woman or you're feeling like they're not opening doors for you because you're a woman, bring, bring somebody that's done it before with you, either another woman or a man, and say, look, I, I'm equally qualified as this person. This person's going to help me and be an advisor to me, and they can sit here in front of you and tell you any fear you have, bank or investor or whomever, this person can tell you how they solved it and how they'll help me solve it. Um, and so that's a big part of my coaching around make sure that you're really focused on connection as an entrepreneur and that you're investing in getting support, whether that's through a paid coach or through you know, the, the board of advisors that we talked about last time. Thank you, Lindsay. And, and before we finish the show, I'd like each of our three panelists to share how do you find a qualified business startup advisor, but not right now. Doug Johnson, want to hear what your thoughts are on stra- strategizing and navigating the minefield that can be the business ecosystem. What do you see? Well, you know, it's uh, the same minefields that anybody pay, uh, faces, men or women, and it's really, uh, where do you start? And the first thing we all need to start with, the coaching tip here, is customer discovery. Gone are mm. the days of building out these assumptions or having these theses around how my product or service may possibly impact for good or for whatever reason, for profit, uh, out into the business community. And then taking that out, getting that funded, and then showing up and saying, I'm here, and all you get is crickets. It's really go out and talk to customers. I have an idea that can impact the world, that can create great coffee, that can create community, that can do anything. Well, great. Let's go talk to customers and see if they're willing to pay for that, if they see value in that. And like hearing that your baby's ugly, be willing to iterate. The beautiful thing about creating something new or starting a business is nobody knows what to expect. And so to go back to our opening where we're so focused on it being perfect, mm-hmm. uh, to use Susan's quote, it doesn't have to be perfect because nobody knows what perfect is. So let's go mm. talk to customers and iterate, iterate, iterate. Very interesting. Susan, any thoughts on what Doug just added? Those are great comments. Um, just to rebound off of what um, Doug just said, 
So mm-hmm. many times, uh, talking to an entrepreneur five years after the business has been built and is considered successful, if you were to ask them what it was like the first week, there is very, very little usually in common between Plan A and Plan B. <laughs> and the company, that, and the idea that they started with, there's very, very little resemblance to the company they actually ended up with. So the whole idea of iterating, adapting, evolving, looking for where the river should flow and where it's going to flow downstream is really important. Not being afraid to try it, to stop, to fail, to learn, and to move forward. Very, very important. I'd also like just to jump backwards for a second to Lindsay's mm-hmm. point about the ecosystem and about connections. One of the biggest differences is the network of successful entrepreneurs. And so if they, and as women, if you think about reaching out to everyone, sometimes as women, we're afraid to reach out to all those people we know and we say, oh, yeah, but I know her because we go dog walking. She doesn't want to know about my business. Mm -hmm. Well, didn't you tell me that she worked for Chase Manhattan? Maybe she could introduce you to another banker. Breaking down the barriers, not being afraid. People who are your friends and your associates and your colleagues, they want you to succeed. They love to contribute in some small way. And that small way might simply be by making that critical introduction to the right banker, to the right investor, to the right customer, to the right client. So there's an awful lot in there that's important about Don't be afraid. Give it a try. Step out of your comfort zone. Susan, I want you to please give us a specific tip on how do you ask that person with whom you walk the dogs every morning, who you know works for Chase, how do you phrase that request? Hey, I heard you work for Chase, but but it's exciting to work there, or tell me about your job. Would you be able to introduce me? How do you say that without sounding pushy or needy or desperate or trying to get them to take off the dog walker's hat and put on the corporate hat while you're walking the dog. Any thoughts on that? And then we'll go around the table on that one. You know, absolutely, Bonnie. And I, I find that that is a fear that women have mm-hmm. that many men don't have. It's kind of like in a different context asking for a raise and saying, yes. I have no, what, you know, well, I haven't done skydiving a lot, but, you know, I know how to jump over puddles in the sidewalk. That's something that women are terrified of doing. I don't want to say or do something unless I'm really sure I can deliver it. So asking the dog walker and say, you know, by the way, I'm starting my own business and I'm looking to get my first bank loan. And, and you know, Sally mentioned that you're actually a banker. Any chance you could help me um, find the right person to talk to at your bank? Why on earth wouldn't they want to? Okay. Lindsay, agree, disagree? What would your method of asking for that introduction be? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Ultimately, you know, simplicity is better than cleverness, you know, and so I always say, like, instead of trying to beat around the bush, just come right out with it. Um, I appreciate that with people who ask for my time or or who ask me to invest my time in people that they want to connect me with um, or that they want to connect with me. Um, But, you know, what I do when I feel that, that trepidation or a little bit of fear in in approaching someone who I see as kind of an aspirational person t- to me, one of the things I do is think of people that have approached me and, and kind of put myself in the shoes to say, okay, like, how did she say it to me that made me really feel connected to her and want to help her? 
uh, and let me just use her language and turn it around to this person I want to approach. Um, and oftentimes, like, that's the most authentic way to do it is, is what really resonated with you when someone approached you and then just mimic that languaging because clearly there's something in that that, that struck a chord. Uh, and if you come across as authentically as they did, then this person you're approaching, you know, they'll res- it'll either resonate or it won't, but at least you're doing it in a way that's very open and vulnerable and invites them to invest in you. Um, so I would say practice it, and, but also practice it by, by thinking about people in your life that you've opened up to mentoring or helping in some way, even if it has nothing to do with business. Maybe it is the person you walk your, your babies with in the stroller, and it's not a, a mom that said, you know, your, your kid is sleeping six hours through the night. How did you do that? And you gave her tips. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, look for the, the key elements of that conversation and then apply those key elements of that conversation to your business conversation with this person you're approaching. And I promise you, coming at it like that will result in a connection. Uh Make the connection first before you ask for another connection. Interesting. Doug Johnson, uh, from the guy's point of view, what if you were at a casual business lunch and somebody asked you for a connection inside your network? Or what if you were at a cocktail party? Or what if you were at a bowling league and somebody said, hey... Doug Johnson, I hear you work for Innisfere, Colorado's leading technology incubator. I've got a great business idea. Can you hook me up with a a seed money person or an angel, an investor, a VC? How would you like to have that request made to you, Doug, in, let's say, in a non-business setting? You know, uh, I get those on a daily basis Mm -hmm. uh, because of a very robust network that we've developed. And the first thing I say is I would love to help you. Uh, we work with our clients as a priority, and so let's see if we can get you in as a client. If that makes sense, please go out to org backslash apply and uh, fill out our intake form, and let's determine if there's a way for us to add value to your situation. And we have to start there because these funding relationships, these mentor and advisor relationships are built mm-hmm. on trust that we are referring people that we've already vetted or had a conversation with, or know what yes. they're asking for, and want to make that qualified referral. So we got to start with a phone call or some type of intake to really understand where they're at and what they want. Vetting was the word I was looking for, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so what do you think about Lindsay's and Susan's suggestions of just finding somebody in your social sphere who you have a different commonality with, a different connection, and bringing up a business request? Uh, would that fly with you, Doug, if you were walking your dog with someone and it had nothing, oh, they didn't absolutely. know you were? It would. Okay, so what would your response be? Same well, thing? this is what I refer to as our natural markets. And a lot of times, our natural markets are out of context from people that we'd normally think about who could help us. And Mm. I have a great uh, resource that I give to all of my clients and all of my network, and it's a treasure map exercise. And it's based on Native American medicine wheels where you really align what is the power around you. You are at the center of the map and the gym, your faith community, your school, your kids' ah. school, your uh, work, a uh, number of things that uh, people that you hang out with at the coffee shop or in the scotch den, as it may be, and, you know, really thinking about, well, who are they and what are they doing? Do I really know what they do? 
and then not being afraid to ask, hey, would it be all right if I shared with you what I'm up to? And just like your feedback and see if it might ring a bell of any resources you could think of. Such an easy question to ask, and you're guaranteed to know if you don't. Interesting. And I'm looking at the medicine wheel. There's some really interesting graphics here. Um, and the way the Native Americans do it, you've got your north, south, east, and west. And very interesting. Under north, they have elders, bear, cedar, winter, and wind. Under south, they have earth, summer, sweetgrass, wolf, and youth. So you would populate that wheel with your own spheres. Is that correct? Doug? Absolutely, and it really goes back to the quote that we sh- that I shared at the beginning with Yogi Berra. You got to know where you're going, you know, and begin with the end in mind in order to know what resources you need to get there. And so this medicine wheel gives you direction, and yeah. so many people are surrounded by people who can help them. They just never think to ask because they're out of context. And here's one other way of looking at the wheel: four quadrants, mental physical, emotional, and spiritual. That's probably the easiest way to start. Very interesting. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Let's see. We are going to be going in about three minutes to our predictions round, but I want to cover one more topic that Lindsay sent me in her notes. Lindsay, I don't know if we've mentioned the word gratitude, or if we have, it hasn't been a key topic so far. So you have a formula here. You say connection plus gratitude equals success, and you ask the question, what is your daily gratitude practice? What's your tip for our entrepreneurs listening today, Lindsay? How do they interpret gratitude and make it into something real and concrete in their entrepreneurial lives? Yeah, so, um, and this is something I learned both just by studying and also by making the mistake in my life of spending many years in the corporate world kind of really fixed on what wasn't working and, you know, this, stri- this attitude of striving and and focusing on things that needed to be fixed instead of the things that were already good. And so um, I think I mentioned her last time, but Danielle Laporte really changed my life in this realm around a daily gratitude practice and, and what it is. And it, it can be in any form. So, I mean, you can do this in your journal. You can do this in a, on an app. You know, there's apps out there now that will prompt you to do it if you need prompting. But it can be something as simple as three things. And in fact, this is what I recommend, three things to start. And you can do this either at the end of the day, which is when I do it, or when you wake up in the morning. Uh, and it's, it, it literally can be like, I'm grateful for my bed. I am grateful for my dog because of this and that. And it, it doesn't have to be profound, deep wisdom. It just has to be three things that were good that day or, or that you are grateful for as you wake up that you're going to have in your day today. And what that does is it just sets a mindset of, of positivity and gratitude, and it gives you something to come back to when you do face the obstacles that you face as an entrepreneur, which happens 24-7. You know, <laughs> being an entrepreneur, you never stop working, and that's kind of one of the, the myths of entrepreneurialism is that it's going to set you free. Well, yeah, it sets you free, but you work all the time. And so gratitude is the is the anchor for me and to come back to it in moments of frustration or burnout or where you want to throw something out the window i had this experience the other day where my computer froze and i was in the middle of a proposal and my computer froze and i i literally wanted to throw it out the window and i called apple support and said i'm going to throw this thing out the window and then i had to take a deep breath and was like you know 
However, I'm really grateful that I have this big 27-inch iMac that I can do my proposals on. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, I'd be working on a tiny laptop. And so moments like that to bring you out of the, the hustle and the frustration and the burnout and those mo- moments where you go, oh, my God, what did I get myself into with this business? And say, except I'm so grateful because of this. Or I'm so grateful because I have the ability to help people in this way. Or man, today was a crappy day, but I got to come home and go to bed in my awesome bed with my cute snuggly dog. Mm-hmm. So any, Thank you, Lindsay. any three things, Good gratitude. any notebook, any app, just do it and force yourself to do it and it will pay off. Yes, and that was the core of the Anti-Depression Toolkit in a class I took about 30 years ago at the University of Oregon called, uh, what was it called, um, Fighting Depression or something getting, I don't know, something about depression. There were so many of us taking the class, it was amazing, but we had to make a list of all the things at some point that made us smile or happy or feel good. And every night before we went to bed, we had to check off three things on that list, Lindsay, that made us smile that day to prove to ourselves that it hadn't been a total loss. And by the way, quickly, DanielleLaporte.com. Anybody wants to see a picture of a very happy person, it's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-L-A-P-O-R-T-E.com. And go to the About Here I Am and read about her. Thanks for the reference. Okay, Doug Johnson, 60 seconds on the dot. Predictions. If we met again, you tell me how far in the future, please. You know, I love 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. What would you be saying about the state of coaching women entrepreneurs or anything about being a woman entrepreneur? 60 seconds predictions. Doug Johnson, go. That uh, 2020, we will have be having the conversation about how many women-owned businesses there are, how successful they are, and that if you want a good investment, you invest in a woman. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, the check will be in the mail. Thank you very much, Doug. Susan Lucas Conwell, predictions, what year, what day, time, month, week, second, or minute in the future, and what will be different about this conversation? You know, I liked uh, Doug's response so much. I'm not sure I have <clears throat> a lot to say that's different. I think that in 2020, the topic will still be relevant, there will still be challenges, and there will still be opportunities. And there will be more women investing in women entrepreneurs, and there will be more successful women entrepreneurs, but it will be a slow process. Okay. And, Lindsay, are you our eternal optimist here? Do you think it's going to be a little faster than what Susan mentioned? Yes, you can count on me. And I've been working on a a 10-year frame lately, and I I found that the 10-year vision uh, resonates with my clients in that in 10 years, anything is possible. So if there's things in your life today that, or in your business today that are just seem completely impossible to change, give you 10 years, you can do anything. You know, five even feels a little soon, but 10, okay, I could live somewhere else. I could, I could be married to someone else. I could have more babies. Like, who knows? Um, and so I've been working with the 2025, and, and what I think will be really prevalent by 2025, just based on the work I do with my my clients and what they are saying for their 10-year vision is that there will be this this undercurrent of women supporting women, which is a huge thing to me. And and it's coming up in the modern female entrepreneurial world now where we're starting to celebrate each other's success instead of be threatened by it or jealous of it. And I think by 2025, there'll be this cultural um, underpinning of I'm going to be successful because she was successful and because she is successful and I'm going to, and now that I am successful, I'm going to help make her successful. And that that creates this kind of loop of, 
of business and community and connection amongst women entrepreneurs where we're all each other's customers because we all offer something different. And, and by kind of involving all of our, you know, involving each other in our businesses, we grow together and we grow exponentially larger than if we start to self-isolate or fall victim to this idea that I'm doing something completely different and because I'm doing something completely different, I can't share it with anyone. So that's what I feel mm. where we're headed. And, and I do think that's more of a 10-year vision than a five-year at this point, but I hope that that's where we end up. I do too. Thank you very much. Doug Johnson, a pleasure. Stay safe. Thank stay you. out of the TSA. Get on good planes. Glad you could make it this time. <laughs> Susan Lucas Conwell, go out on the water and just look at the beautiful water and say hello for me because I'm a little too far away to run there today, but not too bad. Lindsay Roselle, love your effusiveness and your incandescence, Lindsay. How's that for a personal brand? Shout out to executive producer Jenny Dearborn and a thank you to Michael and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here is my call to action for all of you out there. Fasten your seatbelt. What about starting a new business? Not such a bad idea after you got the coaching tips from our experts today. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Talk to you tomorrow on more Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.